0: Hi, welcome to another episode of the cto to cto podcast. In this week's Balance It series, I speak to Antoine about building a green tech startup in the midst of the pandemic, and how looking for a more meaningful and fulfilling professional career can start with helping online shoppers calculate and offset their carbon footprint while they're finalizing their purchase. April 2020 was when Verena Jung and Antoine Verger co-founded Yook, a Hamburg-based online shop extension that makes climate action as easy as ordering your favorite shoes online. So tune in for some quick facts on CO2 emissions, but also hear the story of building a green tech startup from the ground up and get some career inspiration tailored for today. Let's begin. Hi Antoine, welcome to the cto to cto podcast. So glad to have you here.
1: Hi, Agatha. Thanks for the invitation. Very glad to be part of it. Very curious what we're we going to discuss.
0: So you are the co-founder of Yook, a startup that provides sustainable business solutions for e-commerce companies. Am I right?
1: That's that's correct. Um, I can elaborate a bit if you want yes, me to. Yes, please um, do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yuk is um, a German-based. We are in Hamburg, uh, Germany. Um, pretty new company. Um, We founded last year in April 2020, so very beginning of COVID time. Maybe we're going to discuss about that as well. Okay, Um, okay. um, And um, yeah, our vision is to bring um, climate action uh, on the consumer side. Uh, And uh, and we're going to build multiple products. We started with one specific product, but the idea is to enable customers to to actively do something for climate in their daily actions. And mm-hmm. especially in their mm-hmm. purchase purchasing actions, which we think is a nice place where to be active. Um, that's a large topic, a very large topic. Uh, I can narrow mm-hmm. down to a few things there, um, but that's what we're doing. Um, as I said, very young company. Um, we have a few employees um, that helps us there. We're starting addressing the problem from the e-commerce perspective. Um and uh, and um yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll get into the details in a moment. Uh so before we we start uh talking about why Yook happened in 2020, let's talk a, a little bit about you and your career and what led you up to this point of becoming the co-founder of Yook.
1: Sure. Also in a nutshell, I guess, so it's going to be, uh, I'm going to have to wrap it up. Um, the last 37 years, um, <laughs> uh, it's not going to be an easy game. Um, no, I, am maybe go- going back to what brought me to, uh, to be a CTO and, and, uh, and comp- the software development in general. So I studied in France, um, coming from France and grew up in, in very small village in the middle of France, um, very, really, really village size. So I think 2,000, 3,000 inhabitants. Moved to Bordeaux, uh, the wine city, um, after my uh, baccalaureate to study uh, computer science and mathematics. And uh, back in the days, I was pretty much very enthusiastic about doing fundamental research, like really the hardcore mathematics and computer science research. But at the okay. same time, um, I wanted to make money or to earn money and um, yeah, I self-finance my studies. So at one point, you know, you want to earn something and uh, that sometimes yes. pushes you to do decisions that are very short term. Uh, not that I'm not happy with my career, but by the time it, I had to make a hard cut between fundamental research, which in France is not the best paid area, or going into the industry. And uh, yeah, I picked up industry back then, started as a consultant. I worked for a big telecom company in France, Orange Telecom. And after a few years, I moved to Germany um, for uh, family reasons. Um, um, As I said earlier, before this started, um, I have a a wife and a kid and... uh, their wife is German, Kielf is half French, half German. And that's what pushed me to Germany. And in Germany, I worked uh, for um, an e-commerce giant, not Amazon, but the German, e- the German e-commerce giant, Otto. Uh, mm-hmm. hold different positions there. Um, a lot around software development, but also like side, like other functions in like a typical product, product team. You know, product manager, scrum master. I moved in back and forth um, in these areas. And um, and uh, yeah, last year, 2020, COVID, I was working um, at growing uh, FitFox, which is um, uh, a sport booking platform. So you can, you can see it as a booking.com for sport activities.
0: Okay. Uh, also, okay.
1: also, also belonging to the uh, to the Auto Group, like the, the e-commerce giant. And um, I was on my way out of, of FitFox uh, for several reasons, been there for four years, building the company, growing the team, wanted to see something else. And I, um, I was about to sign a contract in a nice uh, and big uh, digital agency from Hamburg to go back to uh, hands-on coding when, uh, when then I met uh, Varena. Maybe we're going to discuss that afterwards.
0: So I, w- I was going to say, at which point in this career and in this journey of yours, did you stop and realize, actually, I want to make my business about doing something good for the climate? And I'm guessing Varana is one of the reasons <laughs> why, you, why you went into that direction. Yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, there, I think everyone has uh, a wake up call. Uh, at one point, I had mine maybe four years ago. Before the birth of my daughter my daughter is three and a half and it was slightly before that um, mm-hmm. and um, it went through different stages I think it's not like a, it's not something that happens from a day to another it's a slow um, awareness that that comes to you um, um, climate change it's hard to avoid that I mean there are maybe maybe countries or or places where it's easier to uh, look in another direction because you have other things to think about. But in Europe, at least, I think it's, it's quite into our mind, everyone's mind for different reasons. And uh, yeah, I, that was my journey, realizing climate change is there. Um, then, uh, being, uh, angry at that, angry for many reasons that, um, that it's not moving forward, that there is not enough awareness. I could almost say like, there was also like some, some part of me that were depressed about that at one point. And then, then you say, okay, I want to do something. Um, I want to use, um, not only my voice, not only my, my, the act of voting or my personal behavior. I want to do that into my professional life and it's not Mm -hmm. easy to do that because that's that was like probably two years ago that i decided to look into that and uh there were not that many options my opinion to go into like what I, i would call the climate tech sphere because mm-hmm. I, don't, I wouldn't want to do something for climate in another area than tech because that's where I'm coming from and doesn't make mm-hmm. make more, much sense that I go somewhere else. I looked into many companies in Germany that were in this area. There are cool companies in the, in the climate tech and it's a large scope, right? Uh, in Berlin, for example, there is this infarm that's vertical farms that are trying to see how we're going to be able to plant salads and uh, use less energy for doing that and less space. So there are some companies, but it's like still a very small market. I think it's, it's been growing a lot the last six to 12 months, maybe COVID helped. But anyways, I looked into that and didn't find much and I decided, okay, in the meantime, I will just do something else and maybe on my way, by chance, uh, um, the opportunity will come. I'm mm-hmm. not even sure I was expecting that. I was I, I was just saying I didn't find something. I move on with other things. Maybe I will get back to that later on.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what brought me to uh, Varana. It was a bit by chance. last was last year, last year April, so a few weeks after the the German the German lo- lockdown.
0: I was going to say that's right after COVID really broke out in Europe, yeah. yeah
1: exactly. So I think uh, German lockdown was probably mid March last year. Uh, same for all European countries. Uh, had to stay home with my daughter because the school closed. Um, still be working as um, active CTO at FitFox, um, and by the time there is something interesting in Germany, there is a CTO. Um, community called Alphalist got created by the guys from online marketing rockstar, uh, Tobias Schotke is, is the guy leading that. And, uh, it's a very active community. A lot of good things happening there, lots of exchanges. And there is also a part of course, or like you, uh, you can find people that fits your business. And by the time, um, I think Varenas, one of the Varenas friends, um, posted something about Varena looking for a co-founder in the climate tech area. And uh and even though I had on my table on my desk by the time a contract for a new job, I said okay, fuck it, I will I will contact her. It sounds like a one time opportunity.
0: Once-in-a-lifetime. Per- uh, yeah, Once-in-a-lifetime
1: yeah. opportunity, yeah. and I thought, okay, uh, then I will contact her. And then uh, we had to deal with the fact that COVID was uh, very restrictive, but by chance we were both in Hamburg, so we were able to just meet outside and, and take a walk, uh, as you can do at the beginning of the of the pandemic. And uh, and I think there was pretty pretty quickly a match like on both sides about the fact that we want to work together. Um, I liked a lot Varna's visions, uh, but of course I had to bring my part to that. Because you know, if you are co-founders, are the most at the beginning when you have no nothing else, the most important part. The idea is great, but you have to have people that are able to work together on the idea and execute. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, I thought it was pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, match. Um, joining a company in Germany post, uh, post first investment is not an easy game. Uh, European in general, ha- Europe has to do something about that. There is not an easy way to join as a co-founder down the road, being also becoming also a shareholder. So a lot of discussions and background checks, whether it's possible. Uh, but it finally worked, um, started officially in September though, just to clean up stuff in my previous job. And then, yeah, we started building Uke.
0: Okay. Um, I don't know how much we want to go into that, you know, brainstorming that you did in April, uh, May, etc. Um, but can you tell me just a little bit about what ideas did Varenna bring and what ideas you brought and how you merged it together? Um, and then we'll talk about Yuk and how it is now. Yeah.
1: So by the time Varena had the idea of um, this vision of enabling customers to to be able to do, to have climate action at the point of sales that was translating in short-term to mid-term into integrating climate or let's say carbon emissions information towards the customer journey. You know, you purchase, everyone purchases online, but you don't really know what's the the, the climate impact of what you're purchasing. You can do that outside. There are many applications that are popping up these days to calculate, so called carbon calculator um to estimate your your individual emissions yes but it's really outside it happens post post purchase you you do that afterwards and it does not help you understanding what your your impact is on a daily basis okay. and 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 therefore it doesn't help you react based on that so uh, the first small thing was to bring carbon offsetting at the checkout. So everything people purchase has a carbon impact um, coming from manu- mainly from manufacturing and. The idea is that you, there are methods to uh, avoid or reduce uh, or remove carbon from the atmosphere. The most, the, the most known one that maybe not everyone remembers from his uh, high school time or school time is the trees. The trees are uh, carbon sink. It absorbs carbon from the atmosphere. But there are many other options. And... Um, What we wanted to do is to be there when people are closing their purchase and being able to say, okay, for a certain amount of money, you can um, offset your emissions. We take care of doing that. Uh, We work with partners and we take it down. That was the original, let's say, statement, how we want to start on this big vision. And we wanted to do that not for any online e-commerce store. We wanted to do that for the stores that were working with the shop system that allows you to create apps. On the shop system, you know, they're like Shopify or Shopware or Magento. Mm -hmm. They have so-called like usually a community store where people like us build apps that you install on your shop system and does things. And in our case, the thing we were doing is to integrate into the checkout and offer this option for offsetting. So that was the first step. And then through a lot of discussions, offsetting... Carbon emissions is is a nice thing, but it should be happening after you try to reduce. So how do you try to reduce your carbon emissions? And um, when I came in, I I, I brought other ideas among which um, probably educating both the merchants and the end consumers about the carbon emissions related to the product they are purchasing, right? Because um, I don't think shop like merchants are aware of the carbon emissions they are producing through the products they are selling. Maybe sometimes they know about their own business, like, you know, how many employees do we have? Uh, what kind of energy we're using for our offices? How many time are we traveling? Mm-hmm. Based on that, you can mm-hmm. estimate the emissions, but the product are and will remain the biggest part of the emissions, whatever you do as an online merchant. You can become, become carbon neutral on your own emissions, but at the end of the day, it comes from the product you are selling. And that's where I think we have uh, a role to play, to... Potentially educate the end consumers about, okay, between product A and product B, which one has the biggest carbon impact, and also help online merchants to identify what do they have in their catalog, which is probably bad for the climate, and they should think about replacing it, for example. I'm just Mm -hmm. dropping, Mm -hmm. for example, because we're in the phase of discovering what helps. Uh, I'm not a big fan of... Mm -hmm. uh, just doing what we think is the what people want uh you have to figure out what people want still with the the north star of reducing uh, carbon emissions
0: so when we're talking about merchants and online shops i think there are uh, two scenarios uh for example we could have a company like uh like aldo that sells uh you know on online stores their own products and i think that's where aldo might have more uh Information Liberate. or transparency, right? Because they are selling their own products that they're uh, producing. Yes. But what about, for example, uh, a marketplace like Zalando that has hundreds and hundreds of brands? Um, I'm assuming you uh, want to work with both types of clients in the sense that you want to work with with marketplaces like Zalando, right? On helping them maybe position products that are more... Uh, Environment friendly. You're absolutely correct. That's
1: that's um, that's the tricky part for retailers um, mm-hmm. because they don't have they don't have a grip upon the uh, their the manufacturing. They're just purchasing from from manufacturers, from Nike, from Adidas, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and they cannot really change that and look at the supply chain and optimize that. The only thing they can do is um, uh, something towards the consumers to inform them. You see that there are many many initiatives there um, about you that I know that you guys in Poland start having there. I think they ramped up, uh, they, they they started um, going online last year in Poland, and there um, there they start having some features that they're adding on the customer journey to help you pick up sustainable products. If you look at the most um, Relevant one is Avocado Store, where they have many filters, depending on what kind of, of uh, sustainability criteria you want to, uh, to search product for. So, there are many initi- initiatives. Um, and to answer a question, what can they do, inform the customers, looking into their catalog. I mean, they have a voice as well, these shops, right? They retailers, they can tell manufacturers, sorry, we know you didn't push sustainability, or or more, let's let's take the positive path. I don't like the negative path, blaming the one that are not doing it. Like They can push the one that are doing something, right? They can say, yes. uh, veja, the shoes, they are they are, they are vegan shoes. They try to not use uh, animals. They try to reduce their footprint. Like, push the one that are having a positive impact. Mm-hmm. It's maybe better mm-hmm. than blaming mm-hmm. the ones, because I think there are too many things negative about climate these days that makes everyone freak out and which to some extent you should be, doing, but it's not, it's not a positive path. Um, I think it's, it, it's part of When I talked about the process of realizing climate change, it's maybe realizing your doom is part of the process to just then go beyond that. Uh, and then to say, okay, we have to find a solution. We're not doomed. We, there are solutions. Humanity, humans are, are very capable of switching directions when times are, Dark, um, and uh, and there is no reason that our generation cannot make it. Um, but uh, on the climate side um, and on the shopping side, I think everyone has a role to play. The retailers have the role to play. The manufacturers have a role to play, and uh, and the end consumers. At the end, you are you have a voice through consuming. I think people are 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 not using that enough because they are not able to use that. That's the thing where there is. I think there was a study last year in Germany. I think seventy percent of the German consumers, they would like to be able to reduce their carbon emissions during the act of purchasing, which might seem contradictory because if if you purchase, you produce carbon. But they would like to do something there. And if you look at the under 25, I think it's even 80. And under under 25 years old, I think it's even 80%. People want to do something, but they don't have any way to do that. And that's what we want to to support.
0: Why did you want to focus on e-commerce specifically?
1: very early stage startup Um, we have to get quick feedback if we address let's say uh, point of sales like physical like brick and mortar shops that's really an easy that's really a hard game plus e-commerce was before COVID already like on a very high growth rate and it's just accelerating so I dream down the road that I go to my local supermarket and I'm at the cashier and they tell me, hey, Antoine, here is 30 euros. Uh, For two euros, you can compensate your, offset your emissions related to your purchase. And maybe while I'm navigating through the food store, I see the footprint of each product the same way you see that with calories or like nutritional facts. Maybe you will see that with climate facts. Uh, there are a lot of questions around that, because at one point, uh, we have to see how much the consumer can take of info- like how much information he can absorb. But yes, um, yes. I guess now the nutritional facts is something people know how to deal with. Now we have to go through sustainable facts or uh, climate facts. But it's down the road. And, uh, yeah, startup, early-stage startup, it's all about... Um, uh, getting quick answers about what the if the market is relevant uh, are you are we bringing value and I think if we are capable of bringing value to e-commerce then um, expanding the market to non e-commerce areas is manageable
0: and like you said um e-commerce is going through a very rapid growth it's not only convenient for you as a startup but it's also very necessary at the moment where online sales just keep. Growing and rising, yeah, yeah. and uh, the amount of parcels and shipping <laughs> that's happening on a daily basis is is mind blowing. Ever since um, March last year, yeah,
1: yeah, and it raises a lot of questions because pre COVID there were a lot of discussions. Is it is it what's the the worst for climate purchasing online or going to a brick and mortar uh, shop? And that's not an easy calculation. That's we ha- we published an article recently on LinkedIn that we worked on because we have people at, at YouTube that are uh, active on producing imp- relevant top content in this area. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I think the w- the win is still in the area of online uh, online purchase. Um, it has a smaller impact. Depends where you live, of course. I mean, if you live in the city and you go to your shop with a car, it doesn't make sense. But if you live if you live at the at the edges of cities and uh, taking the car to go to the city center um, uh, might make sense. But e-commerce has a big. Uh, it has a lot of, a lot to be improved there. Like returns, as you say, packaging. But there are a lot of initiatives, there are many things that are happening uh, that needs to be accelerated, like packaging, when you see companies like Repack, I don't know if you know them, but they are, they are providing you reusable packaging for, for e-commerce, a European company as well. And uh, I know that the Auto Group, so the online reta- online German retailer, they start using that. Um, it's basically, you get the package and you can send it back for further usage, right? It's not like a one-time usage. And there are many other initiatives like for reducing returns. There are so many things that you can do already as a merchant to reduce your impact that we have to start now. And as I said, Zalando, about you, they're they're getting there. But we're forgetting that the e-commerce is not just about about you and and, and, uh, and Zalando. There are many other stores where people are daily purchasing that are not uh, able to move forward.
0: Okay, so uh, we, we spoke a little bit about reduction, about alternate materials, about yeah using reusable packaging, and what about the CO2 compensation? So at, at some point you can't reduce any further, and I understand that this is where Youk steps in and you collect the funds from consumers yep. to be able to compensate for that CO2. So tell me, how does that work and who do you work with? Who are your partners on that topic?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I tend to use compensation as well, but I think the official uh, word is offsetting, um, even though you will hear not a lot of names for that, um, uh, remove carbon removal, carbon offsetting, carbon compensation. Um, at the end, that's, that's first a new area that's that's the, the, there there are two spaces in carbon carbon um reduction there is the the uh, the the um, the primary market and the secondary market, the voluntary market, that's something that you and me can do to purchase. The other one, the primary, is used by governments and big companies to uh, to work with credits. But you and me, we can already start removing uh, carbon by uh, buying sometimes uh, carbon credits. Sometimes uh, there are also products that don't have carbon credits. Um, but at the end of the day, there are many initiatives to remove carbon. As I said, trees... So, forestation and reforestation or afforestation and reforestation is probably the one that comes up in everyone's mind. Um, As I said before, carbon trees are a great carbon sink, um, and they are probably the cheapest option these days for removing carbon, though they are not appearing methods, meaning that trees can be cut. Trees can burn, uh, so it's not something that is fully safe. Mm-hmm. still very helpful now because we don't have other cheap technologies to do that. And it goes every time to the price, right? It's going to work, carbon removal, only if the price is affordable. I see. Um, mm-hmm. The other methods that are growing now are, are uh, direct air capture. So it's really like big factories that takes. Uh, carbon from the atmosphere and process it and put it back into the ground. For example, I, I, I'm, I'm simplifying a lot, uh, mm-hmm. but for I'm... the sake of the podcast, <laughs> I won't bring everyone down this path. Um, uh, and there are, yeah, and there are many other uh, other methods um, that are more long long living storage, so to say. Trees are short living storage and they are, they are nice. I think they're also not only bringing on the carbon side, they're also bringing for local populations. They are bringing for ecosystems, which is also something which is a, a threat. Um, so that's why we focus on trees. Plus trees is something that everyone understands. we, we, we don't want to also again, down the past, we want to have the best methods to remove carbon. But now we're in the very early stage where we want to see how people are understanding the concept. And I think trees is still a carbon removal principle or it removes carbon and people can grasp it. Once, once people understand that, we can move to other more complex approaches. Um, and how do we work? Yeah, we work with partners, uh, both in Germany and in South Hemisphere. What you have to see as well is like trees in Europe are great. But they will never get as much carbon as trees planted in the South Hemisphere, uh, like Indonesia, Uganda. So we have always to make trade-offs between what people trust. I think having a project in Europe, people feel it's more graspable; they, they tend to trust it more. And at the same time, projects that are far away that you cannot see, people feel it's not something you can trust. But at, that's understandable, but that's not correct from the carbon removal perspective. Like trees are growing.
0: Because that's where those trees are most needed. Yeah, is that what you're it's, saying?
1: It's, it's not needed. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, the pace at the at which the tree is growing. Because at the end, of the co- where it goes, the carbon, the carbon goes into the trunk and the soil. Yes. So, of course, the fastest your tree is growing, the fastest you absorb carbon, right? And um, I don't have... But for me. The I don't better have the your figures. investment, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand. So mm-hmm.
1: that's why we b- work with both. I think for when there is like, okay, a lot of discussions about the project in Germany, we have also projects in Germany. Forestation and reforestation in Germany is critical in Europe in general because forests are dying in Europe because of the climate change. Um, we don't have a tons of partners. We work with Very specific partners that we sourced, we look into, we look into their approach, we look into their values. We didn't want to have partners that are doing monoculture and just have very cheap prices just to plant one tree after another. We wanted to have some people like project that have a vision how to build uh, forestation and reforestation in having the mindset that you want to help local population. Because at the end, it's all about how long it's going to stick. If you plant trees without thinking, okay, how it's going to be in 50 years because, you know, just want to plant as much as you can, it's not going to help. Mm -hmm. You have to plant where Mm -hmm. in places where the local population and the country will have interest to keep these forests up and running. Mm -hmm. And that means Mm -hmm. it has to be something that has to be part of the local economy. Local people have to be able to use the trees for food and, and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. long story try to make short um, yeah so we work with with partners in Germany and um, and it's not an easy game to uh, to uh, to uh, plant trees in Germany so one of our partners he wants to uh, to um, he wants to recreate a virgin forest in Germany so he's buying is buying pieces of land and make protect it forever uh, by putting it some uh, some status Trees is just a small part of the topic, right? That's uh, that's mm-hmm. um, as I said, that's where we're starting with uh, with the hook. Um mm-hmm. I think it's the easiest way to connect to the consumers because if you put too much at the same time, at the same time you make them realize my purchase has a carbon impact, and at the same time you try to tell them, okay, that's the way to remove it, and you bring some complicated uh, principles. That's gonna be that's gonna be losing them. Um, So you have to get on something which is graspable, which is still correct because we're not like making up stuff. Uh, Trees are still a very valid carbon sink.
0: I'm not sure if you uh, managed to prepare any uh, statistics about current carbon emissions, carbon offsetting, whether there's any
1: progress. Maybe some key figures. Um, We are producing globally per year 50 gigatons of carbon of CO2 equivalent, um, to make it simple CO2. Um, We have probably to get to net zero, so zero emissions by 2030 if we want to still stick to the Paris Agreement threshold that got discussed, which is 1.5 degrees, 50 uh, 50 gigatons to zero. That's the challenge. Last year, 6% reduction because of COVID. So we didn't produce uh, 50 giga- gigatons, we produced 6% less just because of COVID. We would need that every year for the next 50 years, 60 years to get there. And, um, and that's, uh, that's, that shows the, 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 the challenge. There will, there will be two things. There will be areas where you can reduce emissions. Uh, and get close to zero and there will be areas where it's not possible to reduce and you will have, have to remove carbon. Uh, and uh, the shipping industry is typically an industry where you can pro- probably a bit reduce by optimizing things. I have um, one of my good friends, Pierre, uh, also in Hamburg, is also has a startup in the climate tech area called Sea Roots and is um, building a... Uh, some uh, like to make it easy, a Google Maps for a shipping industry. So you want to go from Hamburg to Shanghai and you want to use the, the best uh, CO2 or the less impactful route possible. And uh, it has a carbon calculator and it helps you doing that. So there are any, we had a talk yesterday and told me there probably thing that, that you can reduce still, there is room for improvement in this industry. But you won't have tomorrow a ship which is a carbon-neutral ship. I mean, uh, there are not there are not there is not the technology for that. Uh, so there will be areas where you can get to a real zero carbon emission. There are areas where it's not going to be possible to reduce to zero, and you will have to use removal method, methods. Uh, probably not trees by the time. Probably other ones that are more long long living methods. Uh, and that's why we call it net zero, because it's not go- we're gonna, not going to have a world where it's uh, zero zero emissions. It's going to be net zero, meaning you will have plus minus, and at the end, it will be zero. And the minus will come from these removal technologies. Uh, so that's, that's the challenge, from 50 gigatons to zero, uh, to net zero. And uh, if, if, if you want to dig more in the topic, which probably we don't have the time in this format, um, the latest bo- book from Bill Gates is probably a very good one for, for getting the figures. It's called um, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. What's interesting in the book is the it tells you the scale, like which industry is producing the most, uh, what kind of solutions are already existing, what going to be the future solutions, which area there, where there is no solution. And it won't be a solution. We have to find another workaround. So, if there is one book to get the figures, I think the the latest one, the latest one from Bill Gates, is probably the the best one. He, he did his he, he did his own homework about about the topic.
0: So, moving on to your customers. So, I understand that uh, merchants, retailers, marketplaces uh, can come to you. Is there an option for individual uh, consumers to also join Yook and somehow uh, work with you? Or is it only through purchase that we can support Yook?
1: Good point. I think that's something we cannot think about down the road to have Yook as uh, something consumers know and use for other things than just this integration in the checkout. We are making moves towards this direction, but it's too early. The problem is like critical mass, right? If you have Yook as an app for doing your managing your offsettings and your carbon impact um, cross Mm -hmm. shops, you have Mm -hmm. to be integrated in multiple shops. What I like Mm -hmm. a lot is the the approach of of Shopify. Uh, Shopify started uh, as we. Probably know as like there, you can build your online shop. It's a SaaS solution, but they always kept the powered by Shopify everywhere. So people keep in mind, I had this shop I'm buying from, it was powered by Shopify. And then there is some kind of branding construction. And now, if you look at the fact that they released their shop app, um, that's definitely something we're looking into. Okay, how can you move from, let's say, a B2B solution to a B2C market? Again, laser focus, out of scope for now, keeping it in the back of our mind. Um, I'd love to see that, you know, you're purchasing in shops, um, you are doing your offsettings, and at the end of the month, you can look into your Uke app, and you can see, okay, I purchased there and there and there, and it that, that, and that. That's exactly what I meant before with this uh, ad hoc solution for carbon calculation and the real one. And you see there are many initiatives. For example, there are companies that are tackling that from another angle, there are connected to your bank account and looking at your transaction and trying to put a footprint on your bank transactions, which is extremely hard because basically you have zero information about what's behind your bank transaction. If you purchase at your supermarket 20 kilos uh, beef, or if you uh, purchase uh, something which has a way lower carbon impact and it's still the same price, you won't be able to put so you can just make very rough estimation which is still better than nothing but then i would challenge the this banking transaction approach versus ad hoc. I think ad hoc, like the carbon calculator is still the best way to go. But there are many initiatives there. They're also like Doconomy in, in Scandinavia. They're they are having this credit card. I don't know if you've seen that, but they have a, they partner with MasterCard and they have a credit card that has uh, a threshold for carbon emissions. So they are tracking the, the transactions and uh, you can set up, okay, I want to emit maximum five tons per year. And then if you are above, uh, the monthly carbon emissions they are blocking your transactions. Carbon is one thing, but you have also like uh, other areas of sustainability that we need to be addressed, like uh, water consumption, social responsibility, and of course, with you, we are just looking at one, ang- one angle at the moment um, the most threatening the most threatening la- angle but uh, if we succeed. Of course, they will they will be for consumers and individuals, other areas where they have to look at. But it's hard for people to be perfect everywhere. It's really hard. And that's not something we want to push. No, but, the,
0: you know, improving one area, yeah, is yeah. better than improving none.
1: Exactly. That's
0: as simple as. And, and no business solves all customer needs and all issues. Like... You know, you create a business to supply one demand or to solve one issue. And that's all you should really, I think, be worried about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And let other people uh, do the other parts.
1: What I'm happy is that if there are many people taking this path as well, that's the path that I decided to take. Use my time as a professional to support this cause. And uh, that's maybe something that needs to be improved soon is how as a professional can you find jobs that are impact jobs. I think there's, it's missing. I mean, they're like on, on job platforms, it's missing. That's going to, that should be like the same way you should be able to filter products by sustainable products, you should be able to filter jobs by sustainable jobs. And uh, I know that because I struggled finding um, something by the time I was looking for, a job in the climate area, and uh, there are probably some niche platforms. But I think the mainstream platforms like LinkedIn or, or other ones uh, they should they should push something there because there are many companies, great companies that I know that are looking for for developers. I mean, we're also looking for people, but I know that there are many jobs open in many areas for 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 um, fighting climate change.
0: Absolutely, that's a great idea. Uh, huge, huge uh, job search platforms should have that as a filter.
1: And because I listened to your latest podcast, I think there are many other topics that we could address, but I think for today, climate is great. But uh, uh, parity, I mean, we're a team, one female, one male co-founders, uh, trying to also build a company and a team that brings parity. Uh, and uh, that's, that's not an easy game. That's also not an easy game. Uh, but that's maybe the topic for for another podcast, not with me. Uh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm the most relevant. Even if I, th- I think that like on feminism, I think there are not even enough pe- men that are talking about that. It's always female talking about feminism and never men talking about that. Not that we have a, a best, a better point of view on that. It's just we are the one that can move the needle absolutely
0: absolutely and
1: we can talk i can talk hours yeah
0: yeah we could talk for hours um on this topic but we'll try to cover each of those in in the following episodes of the Balanced series so thank you so much for joining me for in this conversation today it was super super interesting super helpful cool
1: i love it uh
0: Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms and see you next week.